So today, I want to just spend a few moments kind of stepping out of Daniel and just kind of looking at something slightly different. We'll come back to looking at Daniel again. And uh, really today, I want to think about this principle uh, that we reap what we plant. If you use the older versions of the Bible, you'll know that we reap what we sow. What we put into the ground is what will grow. And that's what I want to really focus uh, today. And really, really what I'm trying to get at is to, today is, are we dedicated to the local church? Are we dedicated to what God is doing in his church here in Whitburn? One of the blessings of being out and, uh, and traveling uh, around in different places is to see the local church working in the local community and to see what the church is doing. And this church is no different in many ways. A church which is invested in the local community. And there's something which I'm going to put up on the screen just as we begin. And that's really two things which I think are important in the life of our church. The first is that we become Christ-centered. The second is that we're community-focused. Jesus didn't save us so that we could come together and have great services and have our absolute knees up and yet outside people are lost and have never heard the gospel. That is not God's purpose. Believe me, God is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of 100% and we need to give him our worship. We need to give him our praise and we need to put him at the center of our lives. But it's for a reason because there are people who have never heard the gospel yet. And my prayer is that the people who have never heard the gospel will hear it and that they, in turn, will be saved, and that they, in turn, will become disciples of Jesus Christ. And here's where it begins, if I can put up another little graphic. Uh, some of you will remember this, you've seen it before. It starts with people who are exploring, people who have never come to that place of making a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you've never taken that step to follow Jesus. And that's where you are. You're on the wrong side of the cross. And you need to get yourself onto the right side of the cross. And in order to do that, you need to go on this journey of faith. And it starts with a decision. It starts with coming to the cross and realizing that Jesus is who he says he is for a start. That Jesus is the one who came from God 2,000 years ago and the person in a, in a human being, in a human body, and he came to die for our sins, that we might know what it is to have sin lifted off of us, to have guilt removed from us, so that we can walk freely and lightly, as the songs we've been singing this morning talk about. So we start off at that place, but we need to come to the cross. And if you've never come to that place of making a decision to follow Jesus, maybe today is the day that you do that. You know, you can, be have, can have been coming to church for years and years and years and never made that step. Can you believe that? We can become so familiar with church and with religion that we miss the fact that Jesus makes those demands on our lives. He asks us to come to the cross, to confess our sins and to turn around from them. And when we do that, we begin a journey. We're 
I think we're already on that journey, but the journey takes a new step. We're beginning in our relationship with Jesus. But we don't stay at the beginning stage, okay? I have a 23-year-old and a 15-year-old. If they stayed as babies, there would be a problem, wouldn't there? We'd all go, wait a minute, something's wrong. He's not feeding their kids. We need to get him sorted out. But the reality is that they do get fed and they do grow because that's what happens. It's the nature, it's, it's what happens with us physically. We're designed to do that. And it's the same with new Christians, spiritual little babies. They need to be fed, they need to be nurtured so that they can become strong, so that they are growing in their faith. And that's the next stages that we're growing in our faith ultimately that we become Christ centered and we need to ensure that we stay in that place of being Christ centered I don't know about you but it's so easy to think here I am I've arrived I can now say that I'm Christ centered and then all it takes is a phone call a conversation meeting somebody that we disagree with and we end up walking back down the track and sometimes all the way back to the start where we go wait a minute I'm back at the start again it's like snakes and ladders you know you, you kind of think here I am I've landed in the right square you have an experience with God you're up the ladder you're like yay it's all happening and you move along a wee bit and you're in the square where the snake is and you're like all the way back down again and sometimes, sometimes our Christian lives can be like that, but that's not the way that God wants us to live. And so I want us to consider uh, just a few verses from Galatians. We're going to read from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 10, and I'm going to re read from the New Living Translation. And the plan this morning, if we've got time, is just to work our way through these few verses and just pause and consider what they mean for us. And... Uh, I pray that really God speaks to us this morning, that our spiritual eyes and ears are open to hear what God would say to us this morning. Let's just pray for a second uh, as, we, as, we, as we begin. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, that it's able to get right into the heart of us, to divide between soul and spirit. And Father, we pray that your word would be effective today. Father, it's your word, and we pray that you would use it, that your spirit would come and take this word, and that you would apply it to our hearts. Father, that we might see those areas in our lives where we are maybe not Christ-centered, that place where you're calling us to be as Christians. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to put these things into perspective in our lives today. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through to 10. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to read through the whole passage first, and then we'll come back to uh, verse by verse. So just give me a little second as I look it up. There's no rustles of paper because it's an iPad. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, and we'll read from the New Living Translation today which is entitled, We Harvest What We Plant. And this is what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly 
should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. What an incredible statement. We're each responsible for our own conduct. We can't blame the things that we say and do on other people. We take full responsibility. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. What an incredible word. What an incredible few verses. It starts off by saying, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. In the church, can you believe it? In the church, sometimes we make mistakes and sometimes on this journey from beginning through growing to becoming Christ-centered, we make mistakes. And I appreciate the people in the past who've come and helped me to see that I've made a mistake. But not just to say you've made a mistake. Here's what you can do to remedy that. But this is sometimes what it's like in the church. It's like the big pointy finger. Have you ever experienced that, the pointy finger? We're encouraged to gently restore a person gently versus harshly, humbly versus arrogantly. And Jesus told a story or, or we read a story about Jesus in the New Testament where a woman is caught in adultery and the woman is dragged before Jesus and people are accusing her of committing adultery and Jesus, he just kind of sits there and he's writing things in the sand with his finger, writing things in the dust. And they keep going on and on and on and on until eventually he looks up and he says, but the person who is without sin cast the first stone. Yeah, she's made a mistake. But the person who is without sin cast the first stone. And it says that one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, that they walk away. Why did Jesus say, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. See, if you go back into Deuteronomy, you read that when somebody's brought and is accused, the people who are the witnesses, the accusers, are the ones who need to throw the stone first. Did you know that? They're the ones who've got to pick up the first rock 
and throw that. That's a sense of responsibility, isn't it? I, I wouldn't want to be that person who picks up the stones and has to throw the first one because the first one might be the right one. That might be the one that hits the target. Most of the people, uh, you know, just have heard this recently, people in, in firing squads, if they're in the army, most people don't want to be the person who pulls the trigger. That's why they have so many people in a firing squad. They don't want to be the person who hits that, that shot. The reality is that we all miss the mark sometimes, that we fall. But we need to think about how we restore other people. Do you know, my prayer is that if you have fallen, that you recognize where you are and that there are people around you who can restore you and bring you back into the path. But not in a pointy finger type of way because all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standard. The question is, are we Christ centered and community focused because if we're Christ centered we'll realize actually I'm off the track here we'll realize ourselves that we're off the track and we can come before God and we can get ourselves sorted out community focused what about the community of the church this community that we call Whitmer Pentecostal Church with people at all stages from exploring beginning growing through to Christ Center, people at all different stages and we need to be open to be corrected, we need to be open to learn and it goes on to say, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ if you think you're too important to help someone you're only fooling yourself you're not that important imagine the Bible saying that about each of us, you're not that important it's the opposite of what the world tries to tell us, isn't it? And we need to get the balance between the your special message because we are. The Bible tells us that as well. The Bible tells us in another part that we are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. And we need to take that, but we also need to take it with a, a wee dose of humility. <laughs> We're not that important, and yet... God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. And we're encouraged to share each other's burdens. Whose burden are you sharing today? How much about other people in the fellowship do you know in order to be able to share their burdens? Do you know at this point in time of anyone else in the fellowship who's struggling to carry their burden are you Christ-centered enough to take time out of your own thing to get alongside somebody else who's struggling to carry their burden? There's a time for coming together. There's a time for supporting each other. There's also a time where we need to learn to carry our own burdens because God wants us to be able to be uh, those who can carry our own burdens as well. But sometimes there are people who just need a little help along. Do you know, when I, I saw this picture, do you know what it made me think of? It made me think of connect groups. Is everybody in a connect group? Did I mention this before I went off on sabbatical? Do you realize how important it is to be in a small group? To be able to sit with people who know you and you know them and sit together and say, by the way, 
And what happens in connect group stays in connect group. Yeah, confidentiality is important. We should have that place where we can share our hearts and other people can come around us and we can pray and we can receive that pastoral support that we need in that small group setting. It's so, so important. And, you know, I, I look back over the last three years and I, and I really feel bad that the connect groups have not had the focus that they should have had. I apologize for that. Connect groups are important. It's the place where we can become intimate with people, we can share our heart, we can pray together, we can open up God's word together, study together, grow together, cry together, laugh together, sit and eat meals together. One of the things I loved about small group was when we would get a carry out and we'd sit around a table and have a laugh. Just fantastic, I love it. And that's maybe what's going to happen in your connect group as we approach Christmas. I don't know. Just a suggestion. Get together, have some food, enjoy each other's company, support each other, carry each other's burdens. And then verse 4 says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. What are you doing in your life day by day? Because you are responsible for your own conduct. The things which you say, the things which you do on a Monday morning when you go into work, college, uni, school, or whether you stay at home and you get on the phone to somebody, the things which you do tell other people about who you are as a Christian. And sometimes the things that we say and do will be an indication as to whether we're beginning, growing, or whether we're Christ-centered. There'll be an indication. Pay careful attention to your work, the things which you do, and you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And I love this. You won't need to compare yourself to anybody else. I just think that's liberating. You don't need to compare yourself to this person here who's so gifted on the piano, Mr. Giorgio. You don't need to compare yourself to somebody who's got different talents from you, different skills from you. Reading a book uh, just now as part of my devotions, it's called The Practice of the Presence of God. And in it, it says this. This is about Brother Lawrence. And it, his job was to work in the kitchen. That was his job. Who, who thinks working in the kitchen is an important job? Well, I kind of think it's important when I sit down and have my, my dinner, yeah? And uh, by the way, that's how I got this thing. I damaged myself again when I was off. I nearly chopped the end of my finger off when I was making the tea, so, so uh, it's, it's, it's on the right track now. But this is what it says. When he began his business, he said to God, with a filial trust in him, which is meaning that kind of father-son relationship, oh my God, since thou art with me, and I must know in obedience to thy commands, uh, must now in obedience to thy commands apply my mind to these outward things, the kitchen stuff, I beseech thee to grant me the grace to continue in thy presence. And to this end do thou prosper, prosper me with thy assistance. Receive all my works and possess all my affections. Scrubbing the pots and experiencing the presence of God while he's doing it. Do you know what I think 
I think there is no work in God's kingdom which is menial. Everything is important. It doesn't matter what you do for God and his kingdom. If we are praying that we are used by God and his kingdom, we say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in me, then no matter what you do, what matter, no matter what you find yourself doing in the church, no work is meaning, uh, meaning, uh, menial, sorry. And no work is meaningless either when it's done for God's glory. If we're Christ-centered, then we will want to do something for Christ. The works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. I'm missing my, my slides, my job. Working in the kitchen, as Brother Lawrence's case might have been. Then it says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Paul knew what it meant to be supported by the local church. And I think it would have been a humbling experience. We read about Paul that there were seasons where he would come out of preaching like full time to make tents. That was his job. That was his occupation. And there'd be seasons where he would step out of being in the temple all the time and he would have to work with his hands. But there were other times where he was supported by the church. In Philippians it says this, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles, carrying each other's burdens. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Do you know, it's a humbling experience to know that you're supported by the local church. I say that as the pastor in here who is supported. My family is supported by the local church. It's a humbling experience. And it's important that we're able to provide. We'll maybe come on to that in a wee second. The, the, the passage goes on to say in verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Always. And we're in the process of planting all the time, all the way throughout, through life. All of our actions are planting something. What do you have to plant? As God said to Moses, what do you have in your hand that's an important question what do you have in your hand to give what do you have but then what are you actually planting or sowing and where are you planting and sowing what do we have to give you may ask yourself there are four things which I can have thought and we'll work our way through them uh, quickly Four things which we have to give. And apologies if the text is a bit small. What do we have to give? We have 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week, 52 weeks in a year. How much of that time, how much of your time is given to God? Whether in your private devotions or in your public demonstration even in your proclamation. How much time is given to God? How much time is given to building the local church? This is an important message because we each have the same amount of time day by day and we need to consider 
how we are using that time. The second thing is our tithes. Ooh, never talked about that before. In the Old Testament, people were instructed to give a tenth of their first fruits to the Lord. In the New Testament, Luke paints a different picture as we read the book of Acts. And it's a picture of people being liberated by the love of God and giving generously. Let's consider some passages here. Genesis 28, 22. And of all that you give me, I, Jacob, will give you a tenth. Leviticus 27.30 A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, from the soil, or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Numbers 18.21 I give to the Israelites all the tithes, sorry, the Levites, sorry, all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. Deuteronomy 12.6 there, bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, what you have vowed to give, and your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. The last one from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 14:22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. It's a principle that runs throughout the Old Testament, this principle of tithing, giving a tenth. But then in Acts, we see a different picture. Acts chapter, 20, uh, Acts, sorry, Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. We need to remember that this Acts 2 church, not only did they meet in the temple day by day, where did they meet? in people's homes where people know what your needs are. We call it connect groups. Did I mention that before? <laughs> where people know what's going on in your life. In the Old Testament, it was all about the 10th. In the New Testament, we're set free from that. You don't need to stick to a 10th anymore. You can make it more. Isn't that incredible? Something that never came out until after he had died. Did you know that C.S. Lewis would give away two-thirds of his income? And he would do it via a solicitor so that he could remain anonymous. Nobody knew this until after he had died. Two-thirds of his income he gave away because he believed in the Jesus of the Bible. And he believed in the principles that are here and he taught the principles what do we have to give we can give our time our tithes we can also give our talents God has gifted each of us in a unique way he has given us different gifts even naturally speaking we have different gifts you know the definition of a talent is when we're able to do something consistently well we each have talents. For some of us, we're really good at talking. Well, that's a talent, isn't it? Because some of us aren't so good at talking. Some, some of us, some of us uh, when we meet people who are new for the first time, we go to say something, and in our head, 
it's, it's this wonderful phrase and what comes out is something totally different. I do this all the time. I meet people and I'm passing people and I'm like, what did I just say there? Talking rubbish. But it doesn't translate from here to here. And out comes rubbish instead of what I actually thought that cool thing I was going to say as I pass somebody in the street. Some people are great at talking. It's a talent. How are you using that talent? What are you talking about? Benjamin Franklin said that uh, the wasted strengths are like sundials in the shade. What good is a sundial in the shade, eh? Who's that? Well, well seen we don't have many ways of telling time like that in Scotland, eh? What do we have to share? We have our time, our tithes, our talents, and we also have our testimony. Are you sharing your testimony with people? And are you developing your testimony? Is it just something that you go back to when you made that decision at first and you're back at the beginning stage and you say, I remember that day when I came to Jesus and I came down to the front of the church and oh, I invited God into my heart. That was amazing and blah, you know. And you come back to that point, but you have nothing else to say. What about today? What is God doing in your heart today? What do you have to share? Anything? I hope so. I hope that God is doing a new thing in you. Day by day, we're to be renewed day by day. Outwardly, we're wasting away, but inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. There's a work of God in us, in our spirits, that's bringing transformation. The Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of our minds as we sit in our private devotions and we're listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. God is transforming the way that we think. And when we are transformed in that place, at heart level, then something happens. Are you sharing your testimony? Because people who are Christ-centered have something to share with others. Let me just say that if you have just become a Christian and you don't think you're at that level yet, you've still got something to share with others. Nobody can argue with your testimony. Nobody can argue with your experiences. You might think, well, I don't want to start talking about God to my friends because they'll ask all these questions about evolution and science and I don't know the answers to the questions. They can't argue against your story, your testimony, what you have experienced. So, so share it. Don't worry about the big questions. Go and do some research so that you can answer the big questions. But share your testimony. Why? Because there are lost people who need to hear your story. People who have never heard about God yet and they need to hear your story. Verse 8 says, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from that Spirit. One of the things that I wanted to share about these points which are up on the screen is that we need to think about investing our time, investing our tithes, investing our talents, investing our testimony in other people. Why do I change the image? Because if you do a Google search for investing in stocks, you will get one and a half billion hits one and a half billion hits you'll get in Google if you think about 
investing in stocks. We want to put our money where it matters, don't we? We want to put our money somewhere where we'll get a return. And people are very interested in making money. And I can understand why. But money doesn't make us happy. What does the Bible say? This is what Jesus says. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you're investing in all the things that the world has to offer, whether it's your time, your tithes, your talents, or even your story for your own personal benefit, then that's what we'll reap. But it will never have any deposit in heaven for us. Paul, speaking to the Philippians, just to come back to that again, when he's talking to the church there, he uses this expression of giving as something being credited to their account. Philippians 4.17, just to come back to this, he says, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be accredited to your account. This isn't an account in a bank here on earth. This is an account in a bank in heaven because our treasure is in heaven. Why do we need to sow into the local church? Because God has a purpose for the local church. In all the places I have been, I have seen this principle at work. And not just in the last four weeks, but over years. That God calls his people to invest and to sow into the local church, to be Christ-centered and community-focused. How are you investing in his purposes? Are you investing in his purposes? It might appear that you are. if you've ever done any sort of target practice at all you only need to be a wee tiny fraction off with your mark and by the time the projectile whatever it is whether it's a bullet or an arrow or whatever by the time it gets to the target when it's travelled some distance you can see just how far off it actually was and it's like that we can appear to be on the right track but actually the further we get down the road we realise actually we're just missing the mark here. It can be imperceptible at first, but time will tell. And the Bible says that by their fruit you will know them. Each of us are bearing fruit in our lives. The question is, is the fruit an investment in heaven, an investment in God's kingdom and his purposes, or is it an investment in ourselves in that which has meaning for us? Are you Christ-centered? And are you community focused? I'm just going to invite the band back up. Uh, they're going to come back up just now, just as we're finishing things off. Verse 9 says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. This is one of these verses that is of constant encouragement to me and has been over the years. How often as a Christian have you been tempted 
to give up. And this verse, it comes like waves on a beach. And all of those times where somebody's been standing in my sand, <laughs> as it were, it's like that wave comes up the beach and just wipes it all away. This verse, don't give up. Don't get tired of doing good because at the right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Brother Lawrence said this, all things are possible to him who believes. He's talking about faith. They're less difficult to him who hopes. They're more easy to him who loves and still more easy to him who perseveres in the practice of these three virtues. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. How will all men know that we are his disciples, that we have love one for another? The type of church that is connected to each other, connected to God. Therefore, when we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those of the family of faith. Our family of faith is Whitburn Pentecostal Church. I'm so glad that I've been called here for such a time as this. Where are you on your journey? Maybe you're still exploring and have not made that commitment to Jesus yet. Will you come to the cross today and surrender to Jesus? He will take your burden of guilt and sin and clothe you with his new clothes of righteousness. This is our church community. This is where God has called us. This is where he has connected us into this community, this church community, but also to a wider community. And the challenge is, what are you giving into life of this church community in order to see his kingdom come for this area, his will being done for this area, and to see the lost being found, and to see those who have never made a commitment to Jesus come to that place. Maybe we can just bow our heads as we pray. And just as we think about this, let me ask again, how are you investing your time, your tithes, your talent, and your testimony? I just felt as God, as I was in my time with God preparing for today, um, that maybe there are some people in here today and you're not where you should be. You're not where you have once been, but you're not where you should be. And you feel that God is challenging you today. And this was impressed on me again this morning as I was just praying about the service today. And I just felt God was going to send that challenge out to us this morning. Maybe you're not where you should be. And God is asking you to come back into that place. And I just felt we needed time to respond to that. It's another one of the reasons we took the offering up in the middle of the service, is that we need time to really reflect on what God has said today. Maybe you're not where you should be. This is your day to decide to come back into that place where you belong. The place where God wants you to be. Now, I'm not gonna ask people to put hands up or, or do any of these things. 
God knows our hearts this morning. He knows each and every one of us. He knows what's going on inside of us. And he just says to you today, if you're in that place, then today is the day to make that decision, to make that turnaround in your heart, to say, today is the day that I make that decision to get myself back on track with God. Maybe you've got stuck somewhere in the journey. Maybe it's something that somebody has said or something that somebody has done and it's caused you to get stuck. The Lord wants to say to you today, you need to just give it to me and you need to forgive in that situation. Forgive and give it to me and it's time to get up and it's time to move on in your journey because this journey is too important for you to get stuck in. And so the Lord challenges you today to get yourself unstuck. What did we say? The Bible said today that we're each responsible for our own actions. You need to make that decision today. Nobody else can make that decision for you. And so I encourage you to make that decision in your heart right now. Just in the stillness, just pray a prayer to God and say, I'm giving myself back to you today to follow you, to get back in this journey, to get unstuck from the things which have caused me to get stuck. Maybe there are people in here today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. And I just want to give you the opportunity to respond to this message today. This message that Jesus loves you so much. God loves you so much that he came into this world. God was in a person. His name was Jesus. The Bible tells us that he grew in stature and in favor with God and with man. He grew up and he came to a place where he found himself praying to his father, if there's another way, if there's another way this can be done, if there's another possibility, then take this cup of suffering from me. But nevertheless, let your will be done and not mine. And he was prepared to endure the cross for your sin and for my sin. It says that he, as he prayed this prayer, that the very sweat that was coming out of his body was, was like there was blood in the sweat because he was so distressed. And yet he went to that cross. He chose to be obedient to that cross in order that our sins might be forgiven. He didn't stay there. He rose from the dead on the third day. And it's the message that permeates the early church is that Jesus rose from the dead. He rose so that you can experience his life. The Bible says that the devil, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he has been stealing from you. He's been bringing destruction into your life. And he uh, has just... His plans for you would be to destroy you. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life in all its fullness. That's the Jesus that is in here today. And he 
He invites you, if you've never made that decision to follow him, to come to that place today, to say and surrender, I come to the cross. I ask that you forgive me for my sin. Maybe you could just pray this prayer in your heart. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he endured so much that he was willing to go to a cross and die on my behalf. And I invite you into my heart today. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my guilt. And come by your Holy Spirit and live in my heart today. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, come and speak to me at the end because I want to pray for you and help you on this journey. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in this fellowship. Lord, we, we want to worship you with all that is within us, body, soul, and spirit. Father, we want to put you first in all that is said and done, in our thoughts, our meditations, our actions, our organization, Father, in everything, everything that we, 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 we have and are as a church, Father, we give to you in order that your kingdom might come and that your purposes might be established in this fellowship. Father, we thank you for the day and hour you birthed this fellowship. And Lord, we know that you have a plan and a purpose for it. And Lord, we pray that you take us on into your future, into your plans, into the things which you have ordained, those good works that we might walk in them, Father, obedient to you. And so, Father, we pray that everything else would fall aside. May our eyes be filled with Jesus. May our hearts be filled with your kingdom purposes, the things which you want to see happen, Father. And Lord, we pray that this would be a day where things are broken spiritually. Father, a day where things change in our hearts. A day where we commit ourselves to your purposes. And Father, we say, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. In Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.